Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. Welcome to the Defiant Spirit. I want to talk to you today about a recent experience I had um, and how it also is relevant to to you. I certainly believe it is, or else I wouldn't be sharing it. I'd keep it to myself. So I want to share with you, I first for me, I had a high school reunion. I have never been to a high school reunion or any reunion for that matter, any formal reunion. Um, and it's complicated, but I, I, I want to share this because I just, it was a pretty remarkable experience, and all of us have or will be presented with these types of situations, whether it's high school or college or family or friends. Um, I'm going to share with you some insights because I think I misjudged the high school reunion. You know, I've never been to one for a reason, and that is, well, I told myself I had never gone because I, my life was too complicated. You know, I left, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, and I left there when I was 18 years old, went off to University of Kansas, and then off to New York, and then started my journey in spirituality and Judaism, and moved to Israel and changed my name. You know, I have a name now that is just unpronounceable to most Americans, certainly my um, brothers and sisters in uh, the Midwest that don't do so well with it, and definitely in Nebraska. It, is challenging. Baruch. Nobody likes the so I end up as B, except for, you know, people who knew me prior to changing my name half my life ago. It was around 25 when I officially changed it. Um, it's, it's, it's just identity-wise, it's so confusing. So I told myself it was all about just, I lived overseas, I couldn't get back for the last one, it was too complicated, my name, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it's not true. You know, when I really started to process getting ready for this reunion, it comes down to my Enneagram type. It always does for me. The Enneagram is so defining um, of who we are and why we do what we do. And the Enneagram 8, I'm an 8, I'm a challenger. If you're watching, you can see behind me. If not, you can just listen because that's all there is to the Enneagram with this podcast right now. Enneagram 8s don't deal in vulnerability. We tend to come off as strong, powerful, usually overcompensating for a weak spot, for weakness. And our weakness tends to be around feeling vulnerable, feeling exposed. And the thought of going back um, to my reunion or just going back to people who knew me from way back when and um, felt vulnerable. You know, I had a good high school experience. It wasn't, um, you know, sort of picture perfect, but it was pretty darn good, especially compared to some of my kids who've had sort of rocky high school experiences. Mine was very traditional. Four years, the same kids, having been with some of them for the prior, what, 15 years, every step of the way. And so, <coughs> excuse me, still remnants of a cough. I um, I told myself I was too busy, you know, I was a rabbi, I was 
busy on the weekends. I was, I was observant uh, at the time, religiously. So Saturdays were hard, blah, 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 blah. And as I went to this one, as I was about to walk in the door of, it was held at a bar, um, I just felt that old stuff come creeping up. In some ways, some of the stuff I haven't felt since I was 16, 17, 18 years old. Uh, an insecurity, uh, being exposed, a vulnerability. So I do think a lot of my resistance has been around that. And I don't say it without regret. Um, I let some really good relationships go over the past 30 years. And I regret that because I go back and some of the people I just connected with, like it was 30 years ago, over just a life, heart, soul connection. And it was beautiful. It was profound. It also reminded me of something so important, whether you're talking about reunions or whether you're talking about, well, any type of reunion, whether you're talking about high school reunions or a reunion of a friend, it's important to go back. You know, friends we make later in life can be wonderful, just as wonderful, but in a different way. But there's a witnessing that happens with lifelong friends or friends from a period prior to where you are now that is hard to explain, but you know what I'm talking about. To be witnessed. Um, you know, now when I meet people, they don't know. They don't know my previous name. They don't know my previous identity. I, it was very far from this one. I mean, that's true for everybody. And so to just have that piece of me remembered helps me remember it. You know, we forget those pieces of us. Now you could say, well, I'm glad I forgot some of them, but I, I don't want to forget even the darker shadier ones. You know, in high school, I was, um, I was not a goody two shoes. I was an Enneagram eight. I caused some havoc, some destruction, not proud of it, but in some ways need to own it, need to continue to say that's who I am because it's in me. Um, I don't believe that I left all of that behind when I went on my spiritual journey and became a rabbi. And I think in many ways I got myself into trouble because I told myself for 20 years, this is my new identity and I left the rest behind. However, I don't believe we're here to leave pieces of us behind. I don't think we have to drag them with us to become these prison cells, these prison sentences. I don't think we should let our personal history cage us. But I also think if we're so busy, or so eager to leave it behind, in some ways, we're even more driven by it, more controlled by it. I use the analogy of driving a car while using a rear view mirror. You know, that's how you crash. And sometimes we're running from who we were, what we did. We're looking in the rear view mirror. And true power comes when I don't need to look in the rear view mirror. I don't need to divorce myself from it. I don't need to run from it. I can carry it with me. I think it was Glennon Doyle, somebody says, maybe Brene Brown. You know, it gets a voice, not a veto. It can come along with me for the ride, but it doesn't get shotgunned. It sits in the back seat. It needs to keep quiet. I don't want to leave those pieces behind. I did for so long. And now I'm, I'm hungry for integrating those pieces of my identity as opposed to running from them. So going back to the reunion, to see people who knew you then, who knew what you were about, some of them corrected me. You know, I had this image um, my, I'll come back to it, but my only connection to my high school really for about 25 of those years was my best friend, Mark, who passed away almost four years ago to the day. And so I think I forgot, I forgot 
the true, the whole story. And I just told myself parts of the story. And I told myself in many ways the bad parts of the story. But then to be around some good friends again, Damon and Matt and Ryan, hopefully you're listening, um, just to be a witness. And a couple of them said, you know, you weren't that guy. Like I kept describing this version of myself. And multiple times, a couple of them said, no, that's not how we remember you. And it was really refreshing, liberating, because we tell ourselves a story over and over and we start to believe it's who I am, but it's only a piece of who we are. We do this to other people. We tell a part of the story, not the whole story. We do this to ourselves. And it's important to embrace the whole story, not just the good stuff. Like we did have a couple you know, moments where we talked about some not so pleasant memories, but that, that those are part of the deal too, right? Life isn't to be lived whitewashed and perfect. It's to be embraced wholehearted. Um, great Kabbalistic teaching, there's nothing more whole than a broken heart, right? The brokenness makes us whole. So going back and talking about the broken parts, but also talking about the beautiful, well, those are beautiful too, the, the cleaner parts, <laughs> this is a G-rated conversation, we're, we're, all of it was lovely, all of it was important, all of it was healing. And that's what I walked away from. I walked away from that experience feeling in some ways healed and whole that I just hadn't felt in quite some time. As I mentioned, so much of it for me is bound up in my friend Mark. My friend Mark Ehrman, um, we were introduced when I was born and he was six weeks old. Our parents were good, very good friends. Our grandparents were even friends. And we went to pre-preschool, preschool, kindergarten, elementary school, Third grade, we were bused to a different part of town. We went there. Junior high school, we bused again to a different part of town in ninth grade. Came back. High school, then we went on to college. Um, and then we went on to Israel together. And then we went on to both do master's programs in Los Angeles. And then he got married and went to San Francisco. And I got married and went to the East Coast. But the bottom line was, um, he was my witness. Now, we, we weren't all that close. We were more like brothers in high school. But we, didn't, we had very different friends. Um, but we had a couple of the same friends who, one of the, whom Matt was there and it was just, but, but even when Mark and I weren't, um, close in high school, we were always brothers. And as I mentioned, we were reunited after that. The bottom line though, is I, I felt so much pain since his death, both for him because he didn't get to finish out the life, at least the way we had hoped for and planned. But even in addition, not even more, in addition to that, and I've shared this before. When Mark died, I lost my witness. I didn't know it at the time. And as I've shared, I've done hundreds and hundreds of funerals as a rabbi when I was officiating. Um, and I never appreciated the profound pain that a couple who's been together for half a century experienced. I'm sure I tried to feel it and I'm sure it came out of sympathy, but it, I, I hadn't known that. So it really wasn't empathy. And although Mark wasn't my spouse, in some ways he was because we were together for 50 years in different places, he was my only thread of continuity. He was the carrier of my story, some of them, um, and only him. And when he died, I didn't know this at the time, but four years later, I do now. My witness, a witness in my life, a profound witness other than my wife, has died. My mother, my, my sister, my brother, Mark, and my wife, those are really my witnesses. My dad died, so he took some of that with him. But Mark's was profound like nothing else. So going back there, you know, to Omaha, Nebraska, where I grew up, everywhere I went, 
I, I felt the memories coming back. In some ways, Mark was with me, coming alive. I went past his house, I went past the old stomping grounds, and it was just like remembering, right? A remembering of who I am through remembering Mark. And going back and having people who were mutual acquaintances of ours and friends, mutual friends of ours, reunited. It wasn't just about reuniting physically with those who are living. In some ways, for me at least, it was reuniting with my friend who is dead and bringing him to life. And it was liberating. I had kind of worried that maybe it was going to be stifling because so much of my experience in Omaha is bound up in Mark, but it wasn't. It was the opposite. And it felt like Mark was coming to life. And this is what I teach people, but we all preach what we most need to learn. Um, I, I realized like this is what, what I call carrying the fire. I wrote a book on the spark seeker somewhere around here. Um, well, trust me, it's around here. And it's about not dying a second death. When, when somebody dies, right, there's another death that happens. Our death, even if we stay alive, pieces of us die and we can end up shutting down that part of ourselves or we can live more fully because of them, not in spite of the loss, because of it. And the other loss, the death, is when somebody dies and then their memories die, their, their name dies. And our job is to live and it is to carry their name, their memories, their essence as a, as a legacy. That's carrying the fire, carrying their fire forward. And as you live, they live. And so I really felt that in a profound way. Yes, it's sad and tragic that Mark physically couldn't be there, but in so many ways it would have been more sad and tragic because there's nothing I could have done about his death, but not to go, not to rekindle, reunite, and you know, go to the reunion would have in some ways been at least a little bit of a second death. Little bits and pieces fade away. Our job is to become guardians of memory, but not just our own, right? Other people's. In some ways we are the guardian of our friends, our loved ones, memories, because they can't hold it all. You can't hold it all. So you need your spouse, you need your friends, you need your parents, your children, whatever. And yes, when they die, bits and pieces of you die, but that's when you just got to double down, live more fully, love more fiercely, commit to doing this work of carrying the fire. I never saw any of this coming, going back to a 30th, it's actually more than 30, but COVID got in the way, 30th reunion, I just thought it was all of that sort of base stuff, um, you know, going, having a few drinks, having a few laughs, working through some old shit, trying to get through the door the first time. It was really none of that. I mean, it was some of that, but it was much more about remembering and reconnecting and bearing witness, sharing with some of these guys stories that I don't know if they fully remembered, certainly having them share them with me and just reminding each other how profound it is to witness each other on the journey. That's why we're here. A life lived in solitude is not a life. To have experiences and not have them witnessed is not an experience. I mean, you can do it. You can go travel alone, and there is time and a place for that, but not the journey of life. And when our witness dies, we, we can feel the pain of it. But even more so, that should mean we then go seek out those witnesses um, in our life right now, but also in those periods before, making the reconnections, the reunions. By the way, especially as guys, 
I see that women have an infinitely easier time maintaining connections and certain Enneagram types. Matt, if you're listening, my friend Matt is a natural connector. I think he's a social two, an Enneagram two, the helper. Um, so he maintains relationships. I don't. Most of my contemporaries, male contemporaries, don't. And I see that um, at retirement age when the guys that I counsel need to rekindle those relationships, forge new ones, because they did what I did. They told themselves that their primary identity is doing, is working, is producing, and who has time for this? Well, you know what? Make time for it. Make time to reconnect. Make time for relationship. Make time to forge new ones and also make time to go back and sustain, revitalize, resuscitate those old ones. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised that if you do it with this level of consciousness, intention, mindfulness, um, you will you will find something of not only the relationship but of yourself in that bearing witness, being seen. Again, that's that's why we're here to to see and to be seen. Kind of wrap it up with this, but I've shared, you know, when I did weddings as a rabbi, you don't need a rabbi. For the record, anybody listening, if you're Jewish, you don't need a rabbi to get married. Um, you can simply have two witnesses. And then isn't it interesting? That's, I think, what it is, in, I know it is, in the secular world. But it is in the, from a spiritual perspective, too. You don't need a rabbi. I have no fairy dust that I can sprinkle on you. All I do is I have you say your vows, your traditional vows, and then um, have it witnessed by, they're called edim, but two, two witnesses. Because witnessing something makes, actualizes it. Otherwise, you know, a tree that falls in the forest, right? Does it, nobody's there to hear it. Does it really make a sound? If a couple gets married under the wedding canopy and there's nobody to bear witness, is it real? Of course it is, to some degree. But even our society says you still need legal witnesses. Well, you need emotional, mental, spiritual witnesses too. Whether or not you're talking about marriage, whether or not you're talking about, you know, ceremonies, that's not the point. The point is, is we all need witnesses. And so really a deeper, profound appreciation for the witnesses in my life, wanting to become a better witness for the people in my life, but also the people in previous chapters and once you go back and you reconnect to a reunion, it's no longer a previous chapter, is it? It's a current chapter. So carrying, bringing these chapters into the present, healing them, because there's always broken parts of these relationships, letting go of that which needs to be let go, but carrying forward the fire, the constructive fire that needs to be carried forward for those who came before us, for our friends who walk beside us, but for ourselves so that we can feel like we are seen in this world, in this lifetime, because there is nothing more profound, powerful, and beautiful than being witnessed on your journey. So those are my insights from uh, going to a high school reunion, and I don't know when the next one is, but I think I'm going to go. I hope this um, gives you a little perspective on any kind of reunion that you have, will, or might be making, um, and maybe just a different way to look about it. Look at it, think about it, and experience it. Jump over to DefiantSpirit.org for all of the podcasts and all the content. And uh, until the next time, defy your number, live your spirit, and we'll talk to you then. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving a five-star review and share this podcast with others. To learn more about the Defiant Spirit, get more inspirational content, or see how we might work together to live your Defiant Spirit, visit DefiantSpirit.org. Until then, 
take back your power and live your defiant spirit.